This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Justin Teague. He's responsible for Smart Bear's strategic direction and overall operation. Before his role as CEO, he served as Smart Bear's COO and president, where he oversaw all sales, marketing, project product management and strategy functions, as well as execution for the company. He came to Smart Bear from Bullhorn, where he was COO prior to that. Justin, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, I love it. Let's go. All right. Tell us what Smart Bear does and what's the revenue model. How do you make money? Yeah, so we are uh, we, we focus on helping companies through the digital transformation. Anybody that's developing a software application today to accelerate their uh, commerce or, or internal processes and we're the quality tools uh, provider behind those applications. So our customers are the, the bank you use and, and the guys you order your pizza from. Um, as they build out their web applications or, or their mobile apps, we provide the lightweight, flexible uh, quality tools, making sure that it runs and it runs as expected. And when 10,000 people try to log in at once and order a pizza, it doesn't crash. So is this like if someone's pushing code on like a continuous integration schedule, you are part of a testing product, testing process pre-release, or you're the first test once it's out in the public? You got it. No, we, we want everybody to be doing quality pre-release. And the quality markets moved from sort of traditional QA groups into now what you're talking about, a DevOps, continuous deployment environment where testing is shifting left into the developer world. We, we serve both masters. Okay. And walk me through how people pay for the product. Is it a pure play SaaS? Yeah. So we, um, part of our disruption and, 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 and where, how we're sort of being transformative is we run uh, our entire business model off of a trial and buy concept. So we, um, we even, even all the way to the point where we have a couple of the leading open source tools in our market. And so we want to create a, a completely frictionless uh, buying and using experience, let's say, for our for our customers. And as such, they'll trial, they'll buy, they'll sign, they'll sign up. Um, our products can cost anywhere from a uh, hundred dollars to a couple thousand, but it's a it's a pay as you go um, subscription model. And and some of them are pure cloud SaaS delivery. Others uh, are are on uh, you know desktop. Wait, Justin, so break that down for me. Pay as you go and SaaS are, many people would say, two very different business models. Is it a pay, Is it like there are buckets of subscriptions monthly that get you a certain usage, and once you pass the usage threshold, you got to go to the upper bucket? Yeah, it sort of depends on the product. But yeah, so we have a product called cross-browser testing, for example, that's a pure monthly pay-as-you-go. You can take your application, and instead of having some sort of labs or a bunch of phones in the background, you can test it on its many configurations and devices you want. That's sort of a t- 
ticket to the game, and then you if you if you have to have spike usage, you pay for spike usage. And then we have other tools that are traditional annual subscription payments. Okay, um, I want to break more into your story and avoid going down every customer cohort. So if I forced you to pick an average, like what's the average customer I'm paying you per month? Would you say? Well, I'll give you a better one. Our, our average transaction is about twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, mo- so, monthly or annual? Annual. So that's an annual. Yep. That's helpful. And, and we'll acquire about 7,000 customers a year that way. Okay, very interesting. Um, that's a great growth rate. So take us, give us more of the backstory here. When did you launch the company? Well, were you there when the company launched or did you join yeah, after? I did join right after. Right? So uh, the company was launched by uh, an engineer that really wanted to solve problems for other software developers. And with this concept of frictionless and much easier way to go grab an application, deploy it, and use it. And, and what year did he or she do that? It was about 2003. Okay. Um, and that was a code collaboration product where engineers could together keep keep track of the code and, and uh, who was making changes and whatnot. Um, along the way, we found very similar companies, founder-led, passionate software engineers that were developing tools to fix uh, problems for other software engineers in the development environment and embracing this idea that you should be able to download, try, and if you're getting value, then I want to buy it. I don't want to go through you know, days and weeks of evaluation. And so we've accumulated over the time uh, a collection of products that serve this need with the same methodology and philosophy across the software tool, or sorry, the quality tools market. So, so again, fast forward on the story. How did you kind of move from C- join the company, then COO, then CEO? Yeah, so I joined because uh, essentially we were hitting a point where great technologies, but the company really needed to scale. And so how do we go take this? You know, we have 20 million downloads a year, for example. We process about 400,000 leads, people that raise their hand and say, hey, I'm trialing, I'd like to buy. And so the operational efficiency of now trying to figure out how do we manage this and then expand. We'd like to add or build more tools to our portfolio uh, to serve this need. And so I came in at the point where um, the investors said, great products. We love this, you know, try and buy high velocity concept. Help us really uh, optimize it and make it scalable. What year was that? Uh, two years ago. Okay. So you joined in 2015 as COO or directly as CEO? I came in as COO and transferred to CEO. Okay. And was that part of a funding round? Were you an EIR somewhere? And they said, we're not ready putting the money in unless you bring on, you know, Justin. Yeah, so we just sold to Francisco Partners uh-huh. in in the in the in the spring. Um, I had transitioned to CEO before that, but it was part of building SmartBear 2.0, the next tra- transition of our company. So the initial creators, I assume, cashed out, and now you're taking it under kind of the private equity firm. Or is it a is it a private equity firm? Private equity. Yep. Yeah. So how much capital had had the company raised before the private equity firm took it over? So the company had, uh, so we acquired uh, uh, smaller companies along the way, founder-led. Uh, one of them, for example, was as small as a million dollars. It's now about $45 million of our, of our revenue. Those, uh, many of those founders are still here, cross-browser testing and, uh, that I mentioned earlier in that company. And so we make them part of our innovation centers, which is why we have uh, six locations around the globe. Uh, but but so that's sort of the genesis of how we how we got here. But was it all self-funded or have you raised outside capital before the exit to private equity uh, firm? Uh, yeah, great question. Each of the companies had their own sort of self-funding model or bootstrapped. Um, and then a the previous investor put some funding behind it in order to buy and roll up 
So how much had SmartBear raised? Just SmartBear, not the companies you bought, just SmartBear. Yeah, uh, I don't have the exact figure on how much SmartBear itself okay. raised. Okay, more than what, definitely? Uh, I think it was in the million and a half range. Oh, so the, not a the, lot. No, no, not a lot. The, the company itself was in the couple million dollar range when it was first put together with another company. Got it. Okay, so there's a lot of like mergers, M&A, you know, sell that part, bring this part on kind of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're sort of, I would say, entrepreneur friendly, right? You can build a million dollar company, get a payout, you know, get, get, get a, uh, a payout to us, right? And then become, a, become part of the company where we have innovation centers that are still driven by our founder-led yeah. uh, owners, what, entrepreneurs. What are you at today now in terms of total customers on the platform? So we are going to be at 10,000 customers. Okay. Um, many, many more users, of course, hundreds of thousands of users. Uh, and we're approaching about $100 million. Yeah, I was going to say, so do you think you'll break that? You have about 35, 40 more days left in the, in the year where you'll break it? This year, our target's just under. Okay. Uh, we'll definitely break it next year. Okay. Now, what, I'm doing my math wrong here. So if I take 10,000 customers times that $2,500 ACV average you just gave me, obviously, that's $25 million annually. I'm missing $75 million bucks of revenue. Where is that? Yeah, well, there are so, so two answers. One, the beauty of recurring revenue. So we have a we have an existing customer base. That twenty five hundred transaction is our new software transaction, our new customer acquisition, um, and we have an expand model. So we have customers that, for example, in the you know we we have developer tools. So five developers writing a, the next mobile application, download and like it, it spreads, and we might wake up one day. Two, you know, two years later and find out that there's 200 users in the same account. Got it. Okay. So if I mean, if I take, if I take the hundred million divided by 12, so you're at, you know, call it 8.8 .8 million ish, or maybe eight point, whatever, 8 million per month right now, divide, yeah. you know, and divide the 10,000 customers into that. They're paying much closer to like, you know, eight or nine or 10 grand a year versus 2,500 grand a year on average. Yeah. To average customer pay. You're right. Got it. What you were giving me was the average year one contract value is twenty five hundred. The average new, yeah. That, the sorry, be, be super clear. The average first time purchase, the I average see. first transaction. I yeah. see. That that makes complete sense. So okay, yeah. that makes sense. Now help us understand growth. So take us back twelve months. Were you at sixty, seventy, eighty million in AR? What was growth? What's growth over the past twelve months? Yes, yeah, so we, we, we were hist uh, had been growing in the mid-teens. Uh, before that, we were growing, you know, so that's organic. Inorganically, we had been able to grow faster than that. We're now in the mid-20s. Okay, got it. So you were, call it 12 months ago, somewhere in the like 78, 79? 70, yeah, you got it. Yeah, very the cool. 70s, yeah. That's great. And where is most of the growth coming from? Would you, if, I, if I forced you to credit more of the revenue to expansion versus new customers, which category is driving more growth? You know, we, we have a lot of customers. That what we're riding right now is the it, – it sort of depends on the product. So APIs, of course, are exploding in the world. Um, we own and, and, and develop two of the, the leading open source tools, one called Swagger and one called Soap UI. And so the growth right now we're seeing is as more and more of our customers and more of our new customers are facing the challenge of how do we deploy, build, and test these APIs – then we're sort of riding that wave. And it's about 50-50 um, actually, revenue-wise. 
CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up, and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it. And it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are going to close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks. They're sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. I assume because of the large sample size you have of customers and the age of the company, you can pretty predictably uh, forecast what a year one customer expands to in year two. What does that year one to year two expansion revenue look like typically? Yeah, I wish it was that predictable. Um, what we, we, we have all of the fun retention metrics that uh, you, you, hopefully everyone out there is tracking. And one of them, is core, of course, is uh, uh, net retention. And so net retention includes our... Uh, churn and, and current employee retention plus add-ons. And so our net retention's in the 115 to 120% range. That's got it. So that's sort of the easy metric. But some of our customers are million dollar, up to million dollar customers, and they started off with $2,000 spend. Yep. If you, do you use logo churn at all as an indicator for you, or is it not relevant because of the vastly different contract sizes? No, we, we do. We look at logo churn. The, my favorite metric is gross dollar churn because it tells me if I wake up in the morning with 10 customers paying just $10 and I end the year, how many of those 10 customers are still paying that original $10? They might have bought more stuff from us, but I want to make sure they're not, you know, that, that they're happy with this, what, we're, what they originally were using. What was that over the past 12 months? Gross dollar churn. We're in the uh, uh, right around high 80s. We're, we're trying to get to 90. Okay. And that's yeah. retention, not churn, right? Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, if you're churning 80, <laughs> if you're churning 80 bucks on 100, you're screwed. All right. It, yeah, we focus on the positive, not the negative. Yeah, no, I like retention. that. I like that. That's a good, that's a good board meeting move there. Now, let's not talk about yeah. churn. Let's talk about our retention. So 80%, every, you know, if 100 bucks is in, in, in month one by year 12, you've got, you know, still 80 coming in, right? So, so that's 80% right. dollar retention. That obviously doesn't include expansion revenue or all the other juicy stuff you add on top, which gets you up to about 150% expansion year over year. Right. You got it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what do you spend to acquire customers? So we track um, uh, our CAC on a dollar basis uh, rather than trying to acquire just a customer. So we think about acquisition in terms of what does it take us to, to, to acquire a dollar of new revenue uh, or new ARR rather than a new customer. And our metric is we try to stay below $1.25. Got it. So you're okay. So you're willing. So basically, what I'm hearing you say is you'll spend a dollar twenty-five to get a dollar of new AR, which means you're optimizing a payback period for about 12, 13, 14, 15 months. 
That's right. And yeah. we're, you know, obviously at 90, you know, mid 90, sorry, mid 80s uh, retention where, we, you know, the customer uh, life cycle is a lot longer than that. What do you see? Because of the huge differences, you probably do cohort analysis on this, I'm sure, but because of the huge difference in contract value sizes, how do you keep yourself honest on what lifetime value is of a customer? Um, you know, you, you have to cut it a couple different ways. We do look at it by logo. Then we look at it by product and then we look at it by, um, by total spend. Um, because you're right. Uh, it's tough at a logo level because someone might spin up a mobile project, buy a bunch of our stuff, that mobile project goes away, but those same licenses might then be migrated to a new project. Is that a loss or not? You know, uh, so you have to look at it a couple of different ways. It's more for us. It's more the trend that's more important than the comp than the uh, industry of benchmarks. Yeah, interesting. So, so do you do you, what do you do you have many cohorts there? Or like, I can't just ask you. So, what's your average lifetime value? Because that's really not indicative. Because you have so many different plans. How do you measure though tactically? Um, you know, as you'd expect, it's 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 uh, it's sort of based off of when someone buys and they deploy a product. How long do they actually keep that product uh, in deployment, and and how long can we count on that dollar of ARR? Got it. Um, SendGrid just went public. Markets are generally feeling good. Tax cuts are coming. Everyone's rosy dozy. You've got to kind of get to the 110, 130 million ish ARR range to really start thinking. I think start thinking about IPOs based off other CEOs I've talked to in that range. How do you come up, and how do you guys think about that decision? Yeah, I mean, we you know we we try not to focus on an outcome as much as building just a great company. Um, it's so hard to. Well, I, other CEOs, I'm sure, would tell you, you, you there's a dangerous uh, trap to fall into to think you're going to architect your outcome as much as focus on growth, build a great company, make sure your customers are happy and satisfied, and they love what you do and what you provide, and you'll you'll get there. And for us, it's a function of, uh, you know, we've got these 20 million downloads. How can we create a more compelling product so that the customer is compelled to sign up the actual buy after they try portion of it. And then how can we continue to solve problems across the software development lifecycle and sort of expand our footprint? Let me ask this question differently, Justin. Um, oh, sure. You know how to grow the company. It's just a matter of cash, right? You, yeah. You've got to predict, well, you know how to do it. You have, what's the firm that, that owns you guys now? What's the company called? called Francisco Partners. Okay. So Francisco Partners says, hey, like, you know, we can, you know, we can either, you know, take this term sheet for, you know, 200 million from X, Y, and Z investors, right? Or family offices, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we could start looking at an, uh, to, you know, an IPO and try and raise $200 million that way. Um, how do you make the decision which way to go on that? Which cost of capital is cheaper for you in terms of your energy? Oh, man. I, so I haven't had to make that decision yet yeah. because, uh, you know, we've been living in private equity and private equity is great. I don't know, you know, the public, some of that decision, frankly, and I, I'm not trying to avoid the question is, do you want to be public? Do you want to be public? Um, in today's world, there's a lot of investment around private equity, and that can be a great partnership opportunity for people that once you get to scale. Um, but it's all just based on the economics at the time. Yeah, that makes good sense. What are you at today in terms of team size? We have a, we're just going to hit about 400 employees globally across six innovation sites. And where are your kind of your, your biggest offices? Yeah, our biggest offices are Boston. Uh, so right outside of Boston, Somerville, Galway where we have incredible talent and we have access to that talent, which isn't always true in the competitive world of Boston. And then, in, and then we have um, Tula, Russia, 
which is one of our offsite centers. Interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah. Boston and Russia. Very good. And last question here uh, before we wrap up with the famous five. Uh, over the past uh, month, how much are you spending just on paid acquisition across all channels, conferences, ad spend, all that jazz? Give me an order of magnitude. Including headcount? No, not including headcount. Just spend. Would you say in the last month? You can or give me a year if it's quarter? easier. Yeah. We probably spend about a $750,000 a quarter. And is that mostly AdWords or conferences or what? We have a big de- inbound demand engine. So a lot of content based, um, you know, to trial and buy, uh, you know, high velocity motion for us sort of demands us getting people to come to us. And so that's a, that's a uh, you know, our, our marketing team does an amazing job of navigating how do you create demand through, uh, throughout the ecosystem of the developer and test community. Good stuff, man. Let's wrap up here, Justin, with the famous yeah. five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, ironically, as I was thinking about this, my favorite business book is a bibliography of, of Ben Franklin. Uh, I love sort of, the, if you go back in time, the just... It doesn't matter where you go, innovators happened. And Ben Franklin, you look back and you go, it's amazing what this guy invented from Are you talking this one? Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's a good uh, one. I mean, you know, you find out that the guy invented the library. You know, it's like, wow. The Dewey Decimal, the Dewey Decimal yeah. System. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. All right. Number two, is there a, a CEO you're following or studying right now? So the other book, I'm, the book I'm actively reading right now is actually the, the Everything Store, the Amazon Story. Um, so, you Jeff know, you yeah, you can't, you can't do anything but admire what he's done. But what I learned through that book is he's a, he was a maniacal focus on the customer. And that's, that's something that we're trying to get closer and closer to. Number three, what's your favorite online tool besides your own? <laughs> I was thinking about that as an answer, but I'm sure you get that one all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I love Slack because, because frankly, we're a big, uh, you know, diverse, uh, uh, geographically dispersed company. Uh, personally, I, I on my phone, I, I like this Flipboard product, which is sort of uh, accumulates news and and uh, you know you get to subscribe to the things that you want to read rather than a bunch of junk. Yep, number three. How many or number four? How many hours of sleep do you get every night? I'm pretty good about sleep. I sleep well at night, so you know I'm, I'm I don't know if it's eight, but I'm approaching eight. All right, and what's your situation? Married, single? You have kiddos? I do. I have a couple of kids. How many? I got three boys. Three. Keeps okay, wow. Three kiddos, and how old are you? Uh, I'm 45. All right. Last question. Take us back 25 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew, Justin? You know, I think my 25 year old self, I don't know that I changed a lot, but I, what I, of course there's, I wish I had taken more risk, right? Cause the time to take it is when you're young and the implications are not quite as, uh, uh, uh as let's say dramatic, but, um, I accumulated a lot of experience, uh, going overseas, living in London, uh, different types of software companies. And I think, Accumulate as much experience as you can early because it always you can always leverage it later. There you guys have it from Justin. Joined the SmartBear team many years after the launch. It was launched back in 2003. They've grown through a variety of ways, including acquisitions. Uh, obviously sold recently to a larger uh, private equity firm, but growing rapidly, adding 7,000 new customers annually. They're currently at about 10,000 customers. Uh, grew from 78 million run rate in 2016, so about 12 months ago, to over or approaching 100 million here as we wrap up 2017. Uh, they've got uh, really healthy gross 
dollar retention annually at about 80, a little over 80%. They're spending about $1.25 to get a new dollar in ARR. Again, hoping, helping folks increase the quality of their software through a variety of different ways, uh, uh, including pre-release with their team of 400 folks between Boston and Russia. Justin, thank you for taking us to the top. Great summary. Thanks, man.